1: Happy Veterans Day. Everyone out there, all of our veterans, armed forces, we appreciate you and all of your support and all of your sacrifice. Congratulations. This is your day. You deserve all of the honor, love, and respect you get on today. From Lucky Lefty Podcast, happy Veterans Day. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. It's, Friday. it's for the Culture Friday. I'm excited, bro. I'm excited because I'm about to spill some tea and if you don't want to hear it get out of the show and come back in about 5 minutes. <laughs> they did my boy Chadwick Boseman right. They did him right. Fantastic job by Ryan Coogler and everybody connected to forever Wakanda. They did my boy right. Now, if you're looking for this action thriller, start to finish, that's not what you're going to get. But if you're looking for the perfect transition and storyline to set up the next Black Panther and the continuation of the series, you got perfection. The mm. Storytelling was fantastic. Mm. Fantastic. Jabari, funny as ever. Funny as ever, dude.
2: Funny as ever?
1: Oh, funny as ever. Cracking jokes.
2: What would you give it out of 10? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. That's Eight right. and a half. Would you see it again and give it a higher grade? You think, or you think? If, you I, saw again, if
1: I saw grade. it again, I probably would pick up on certain things. Okay, so it's one of those. Because I put it like this, you know how you see something subliminally, but it doesn't click. Right. I left the theater and I was driving home, and something clicked in my head. I was like, "Oh, snap! I get it." Exactly. You know so of course if i watch it a second time yeah i'll probably love it even more even more but like i said i didn't go into it expecting you know start to finish combat theatrics things like no i didn't expect that right because i understood the transition from chad had to be at the core of the storyline it was you couldn't avoid it couldn't there avoid was nobody you. could avoid that no way at all man but There were some shockers, and that's where it went to another level. Mm. They didn't just transition from Chad. They did some other stuff, and I was like, okay. Mm. I wasn't expecting that, but it just took everything from zero to 60 just like that. So that's why I thought it was a really good film and the perfect transition to the next installment of Black Panther. That Mm -hmm. is coming. It's probably about two, three years away. But I'm excited about it already.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was a lot I'm of good.
1: tissue. It was a lot of tissue in that bad feather, though. A lot uh, of tears, a lot of tears being shed. I'll leave it at that. Uh I was man. looking at my wife for a minute, like, like you crying for real? Like, yo, it was
2: one of those things.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't emotional. Of course, with any Marvel film, you have to stay through the credits and wait, because they usually set up something with that scene that they play after the credits, the post credit scene almost got. Me. That's the scene that almost got me. I was like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. But it was so beautifully done, man. Shout out to them. It's the perfect tribute to the life of Chadwick Boseman and uh his uh iteration of Black Panther.
2: Wow. Good review. You should work for Rotten Tomatoes, man.
1: Hey, man, and I did it in five minutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, that's perfect. Lucky Lefty Podcast.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: 11 o'clock kickoff, my time. Noon start on the East Coast. MNT Bank Stadium, Notre Dame. Faces off against Navy. 6-3 Notre Dame, 3-6 Navy. Um, as we said before, we can dig into this game with numbers, but it's pretty simple, right? They make you beat them. You know you have more talent. They make you beat them. They don't beat themselves. Yeah. Three penalties per game. 23 penalty yards per game limited possessions for you offensively you have to maximize your opportunities score touchdowns not field goals and if they drive because they go on these long drives time of possession this is a battle of time of possession giants both are really good rushing attacks who is going to be able to invoke their will and control the tempo of this game and control time of possession. It's going to be interesting. And right now, it's time for Stick to the Script, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, you have to drink.
2: Responsible.
1: So Malik gives you his clean sheet. What's the attack coming out of the gate offensively to go up against the midshipmen in this undersized defense?
2: I think we talked a little bit about it yesterday, opening up the offense a little bit, giving the receivers a little bit more of a confidence booster this Mm -hmm. game. I think they should come out aggressive. They should come out throwing the football, getting Drew comfortable early, and because you don't want to get cold throughout the game because they have long drives. So you want to be able to come out hot, score early through the air, and get the run game in the back end of it just to have Drew warm and used to the game so when they do have long period time of possessions, he's not just on the sideline, got to warm his arm up all game. So I think it's important if we want to uh, raise the level of competition in that receiver room and confidence in that receiver room, get them going early, supplement it with the run game, get a couple scores, and uh, we should we should be on top by half and, uh, and go from there.
1: That is stick to the script each and every Friday right here for the culture Friday brought to you by honor whiskey. So are you comfortable saying open it up, be aggressive because you can always go to the Russian attack or is it more advantageous to depend on the Russian attack, knowing that you can always go to the play action and take advantage of a vulnerable secondary for Navy?
2: I think in this case, is about us. This is a game about us and and playing in situational football. But also, this is a game of strategy. I believe Navy goes in there, obviously, wanting to limit the time, uh limit the possessions that we have on offense, but also take up a lot of time and possession. So I believe in the strategy of being aggressive, go out there and try to score uh, as many points as possible, as fast as possible, because it'll go back, uh, to one of my points for the game, which is you got to be able to get three and outs. I think mm-hmm. if we can get third down uh, our conversion on defense to be over 70%, that'll give us more chances to get the ball on offense and, and, and using our strategy of being aggressive when we were aggressive against Clemson, we became the bullies because our defense is what always been there throughout the season. We don't have to run through the point totals that we've had against great teams, but the bosses that we've had, but it's important to recognize that if we can continue to be aggressive on offense, we can be a team that looks more dominant in the college football landscape.
1: Once again, Navy runs the ball eighty percent, 83% of the time. So like you said, first down is going to be vitally important. Keep them behind the chains. You don't want them to get to third and three, third and four, where they can use their running game, but then play action, you in the flats, and take some shots down the field and get you in between as a defense. Rushes per game, 60 per game, 243 yards per game on the ground. That's their Navy offense. Now, the Navy defense, they give up only 97 yards per game on the ground. That's very interesting. That was a shocking stat to me, Lev. The fact that their rush defense has been pretty good. And like I said, the struggle for them has been the passing game where they give up 286 yards through the air per game
2: yeah that's a lot and and drew should be looking at his chops after practice every day with those receivers saying, this is what we can do if we just go out there and actualize uh what we're what we're told to do in the game plan i think tommy has gotten a rhythm with drew and kind of found some things and quirks to get him outside of pocket on some third down stuff, and you can see that he's adjusting to his skill set, which is what you want to see in a relationship between a quarterback and an offensive coordinator that they are on the same page and they uh, they can situationally get into things that are they're comfortable with. Uh, Drew looked comfortable in a game that we're unranked and we played against a top four team, and we looked like the better team. So. If Drew's comfortable, I think it puts us in a good spot that uh, we can be set up for, uh, you know, uh, potential upsets and even further than that.
1: Now, they are below what they've been used to as a program. Speaking of Navy, we talked about third down conversion rates. They're right about 42 percent, which is 43rd in the nation. Navy is used to offensively being top 20 and third down conversions. Uh, that's something they struggle with. So that could be something to look toward. And who wins the battle of the third downs, like you said, Navy, not as efficient as they've been in the past.
2: Yeah, they might have to, you know, adapt to the the rule changes, but it also keeps guys a little healthier. Uh, Navy's just a really gritty team. So uh, those are the type of uh, things that they use to their advantage through strategy, you know, it's the Navy. So, you know, they're going to put their mind before matter and, and use what they got to the best uh, of their ability. So, I think it's just something they just have to adapt to as the years goes on. But right now, we have to take advantage of these rules and be able to, you know, crush our opponents. This is an opportunity to go against a team where we can take advantage of less opportunity mm-hmm. but be more dominant and explosive in those opportunities and really uh, add another layer to the to the, uh, the team that we have now that we can be resilient, bounce back from wins, compete at the level of our component and have shown to dominate teams that are slated to be better than us. So uh, being able to adapt and, and score in short bursts I think is going to be something that will be effective for when we need it in late games like USC down the road or whoever we play, that's a, a formidable opponent.
1: Lucky Lefty Podcast brought to you by Norwhiskey at and Norwhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at whiskey.com. Let's go behind enemy lines left for the culture Friday. Coach Ken Tuala Malolo, uh, coach of the Navy Midshipmen. I hope I got that name right. I'm going to have to double check and look if at it. If you name.
2: rush it, it sounds good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but Coach Ken, he talked about, because Marcus Freeman, I don't know if you know this, Marcus Freeman, when he was at Cincinnati as a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, one of his defenses is, if I'm not mistaken, gave up over 500 yards of offense, Russian offense against Navy. He said that's stuck in his mind forever as a defensive coordinator. And Coach Ken talked about Coach Freeman's defense that he's faced at Cincinnati and Notre Dame.
3: He defends a lot of people, <laughs> you know, not just option football. I mean, that's the reason he got the the – the Notre Dame defensive coordinator job because coach Kelly saw how good their defense was obviously done really good against option but they defend everybody well that's the impressive part that he's got a really good conventional normal off uh, defensive package and what he does does against option people um, I mean, he's a really good really good football coach right um, knows what he's trying to do. And, uh, like you said, we've struggled against him since that first game.
0: So anything in particular that you've seen that he's done? I think you played him one more time at Cincinnati. Um, that was the game that they shut you out. And then I think I've, you played him twice at Notre Dame, I believe, since he's been at Notre Dame. Anything in particular that he's done against the option that you thought is interesting or, or, you know, solid?
3: I mean, they're well coached. They know what they're doing. But I'll just say other guys have tried to replicate what they do, and it's not the same results. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's not the same personnel. Probably. Not the same personnel, but, I mean, he knows what he's doing, so don't get me wrong, it's schematic too, but it's a combination. He knows exactly what he wants to do on defense. they got a good scheme, good players, so you add those two together, you know what I mean, it uh, makes it tough sledding. But, like I said, other guys watch him on tape and try to replicate it, but not the same results. so it's a combination of a lot of things, but he, he knows what he's doing.
1: So since having initial success against Marcus Freeman, In that game we spoke about previously, he said his offense has struggled against Marcus Freeman's defenses at Cincinnati and at Notre Dame. He has profound respect for Marcus Freeman and now Al Golden, who he said also has experience against his offense from his time at Temple and Miami. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Notre Dame defense is able to stay uh, stay up on their feet and stop the Russian attack of Nagel.
2: I'm excited to see it as well. I I do believe that they have a lot of potential uh, of 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 giving us a chance to show us that we have we have the devil in the details for our defense. Marcus Freeman took a lot of person took it very personal and giving up that many yards, and he clearly has made it uh, abundantly clear that that'll never happen again. So Mm -hmm. I'm expecting with even better players now. And he had at Cincinnati when that happened, I think there's going to be a a good showing for our defense to kind of, you know, strut our stuff and be able to get a lot of guys in. Hopefully we get to see some freshmen pop in there and make some plays early that we can ooh and I about on the podcast later. But, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman, even though uh, he went through an experience like that, it shows how he was able to bounce back and be even stronger uh, in his approach and helping Uh, coach against such a specific offense. You
1: know, that's a perfect segue to the LL question of the day. We are behind enemy lines talking Navy, and we'll hear more from Coach Ken in a few seconds. But the LL question of the day, you expect Notre Dame to be able to dominate this game and come away with a convincing win. Some young players should be able to get in this game. Which young player needs to see the field for you against Navy? Which young player needs to see the field for you against Navy? We'll get to your comments and your super chats at the end of the show. We greatly appreciate how you support Lucky Lefty Podcast. So Coach Ken, his three and six midshipmen, will be looking to slow down the Notre Dame rushing attack. Project estimate looking for three consecutive 100-yard games. Who is going to be the biggest – I don't want to say the best, but who's going to make the biggest impact in the backfield this game, Left.
2: I want to say Tyree. Hmm. I think Chris Tyree has a great chance of doing it because his speed and versatility against defense that I think we can outflank. Uh, We can score a lot faster running outside of the the tackles, and I think his ability – to be versatile in catching the football and running outside. But he's been running some inside, too. But if they can get him outside that tackle, I think he can take it a long ways, especially if we're hitting him inside with Aldrick, hit him inside with Logan. And in the mix between that, I think he can have a big game uh, in the run game as well as catch the ball out of the backfield in this game as well. I definitely think he can make an impact in the passing game, without a doubt, especially coming off
1: the film that Nate is going to be watching from the previous two games against Syracuse and how phys- and Clemson and how physical the offensive line has been. They fully expect Notre Dame to come straight ahead. And like you said, be aggressive early, catch them off balance, and then for the rest of the game, have them off balance, not knowing how you're going to attack them. I can definitely see Tommy Reese finding a way to implement Tyree into the game on the ground and through the air. Absolutely love. Coach Ken, once again, talking about Notre Dame and saying, yeah, <laughs> They're
3: hitting all cylinders right now. <laughs> the goal, you know, play in Baltimore, home game for us, right down the streets. Uh, play in M&T Bank Stadium. Obviously, it's a great honor for us to play there. You know, grateful for the Ravens, and it would allow us to play there. Um, it's close to home. We're excited, uh, but we also know it's a great challenge.
0: And, and what are you seeing this Notre Dame team? That's one of the hottest in the country. Yeah,
3: yeah they're playing really, <clears throat> excuse me, really well right now. Just um, what they did at Clemson. You know, number four team in the country and got after them. Super impressive. And obviously they have a tough schedule every year, but you can see them catching their stride right now.
1: Has Notre Dame really hit their stride? Do you think? That's the question. I I think there's more room for this Notre Dame team. Like Clemson was kind of like the coming out party of what this team was supposed to be. But I don't think they've really hit their stride to the point. I think Boston College might end up being the game at home where they hit their stride going into USC. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that's that's the way I'm feeling. But Coach Ken feels like they're facing a team. That's kind of like a Matt Truck coming downhill at this point.
2: Yeah, he's definitely at the wrong place for a time with this team. Uh, we're on a crash course for destiny at this point. Uh, we won our Super Bowl recruiting championship, so we feel pretty good about that. But also being able to flourish on all cylinders, which is great. We're still missing the receiver aspect, in my opinion. I think we can be a lot more explosive in uh, in that aspect, which I think would take us, like you said, that little bit better than uh, what we're showing right now. We mm-hmm. knew we had a run game coming into a season, so to see the O-line continue to get better week to week, allowing for those running backs to to be so grateful in the interviews about how well they, they're getting up to the second level, I think is a, a, a testament to what Marcus Freeman wanted the team to be in the vision standpoint. He wanted us to be physical, he wanted us to be competitive and get after people. And we're showing that and Clemson at the right place, the right time in the season where we've kind of licked our wounds a little bit and and uh bounced back and hit the bottom in a lot of instances, you know, losing to Marshall and Stanford. That's that's a bottoming feeling. Yeah. But to come right back and then hit the top and be the team like Clemson the way we did, it's only a matter of time before uh we we see ourselves in that top ten that I think we can still finish in.
1: Yeah. Some of the comments and response to the question ND9 says not hitting on all cylinders, not at all. Interesting comment here. Bailey Brad, stride doesn't mean peak, at least to me. Steve Splendor, thank you for tapping in. There's more room. The problem is we all know it needs to come from one position, and we all know the ability might just not be there to maximize the steam. I think it comes from more than one position. But I will put responsibility on the wide receivers as well. You know, I think they go hand in hand. I think we can, we can get more from multiple positions on this team to really be at peak performance. Keith Erickson was still in the first 100 on a 200. Need to hit the next gear and close. Got to have that closing kick. Okay, Keith. I feel you on that. Once again, you know, as they face Navy, Uh, We understand that this game means a lot mentally coming off of the big emotional win. How can this team handle winning? Archie Estimate talked about taking winning for granted and coming to learn how difficult it is to win college football games on a weekly basis. We're hearing all the right things from the program, the coaches, from people within the program, from the coaches and the players. Ultimately, it's up to them. To show us on Saturday at noon whether or not it has taken stock and settled into their heart and gone into their preparation and manifested each and every week. Let's get to our predictions, Left. How do you see this game going?
2: I see a smooth 56 0 win. (laughs) Smoke them right down the street from their crib. And then, uh, Hang out with Ronnie Stanley after. You just going to do them like that on Veterans Day like
1: weekend, that. bro?
2: You we, just going to do them
1: we, like that?
2: Look, look, look. We got to make a statement. That's the way we got to do the thing.
1: Give you say, yeah, we, we got to get out of that 20th spot, right? We got to yeah. make a statement. I'm sorry. Our 10. I'm sorry it had to be you. I'm sorry it had to be you, Navy. I understand the relationship. We love you. We thank you. It's Veterans Day weekend. However, we're going to have to do some things to you. Yeah. We'll have to it's make it look real ten. good. So we can I mean, move ten. up to that top 10. I feel you. I feel you. I won't go that far. I won't go that far. I think my prediction was something like 38 to 13. I think I said 38 to 13. Unless Navy just wants to uncharacter uncharacter uncharacteristically uh, turn the ball over. Mm. Like if, if Navy just wants to turn the ball over,
2: I us- think we'll get more three-and-outs than you're giving us credit for. Say it again? I think we'll get more three-and-outs than you're giving us credit for. I think they'll we'll be able to get them off the field a lot more frequently than allowing them to just go third and two, third and three, third and four, and convert. Yeah. I think we'll be able to get them in third and six position, close them out, be able to stop their drives before they become long, elongated because we are an aggressive defense. So we're not going to just base everything. And, you know, we're going to be downhill attacking. We're going to stretch those uh, beers that they run. And we're going to have a lot of uh, tackles for loss and and tackles at the line of scrimmage. I think that's going to help our offense get on the field a lot more. And then if we're staying aggressive, and we're making this about the receivers a little bit more, then we can hit that 50-point that fifty point mark.
1: See, you're giving a little bit too much credit, in my opinion. <laughs> as much as I love Notre Dame, they're the sloppy eater at the dinner table. Because when they get through eating and they get up, there's a lot of crumbs on the floor. And those crumbs represent points left on the field. We see it each and every week. Uh, we can talk about how great they play, how bad they play, there's one consistent thing, offensively. They leave a bunch of points on the field. Opportunities have been plentiful all season for Notre Dame offensively. But somehow, someway, week after week, they should have put up 50 against Clemson. Easy. Yeah. Easy. They should have put up 50 points, especially getting a special teams touchdown and a pick six return and mm-hmm. getting set up inside the 10 on another interception. They should have put up 50 points against Clemson. However, we see a week after week, somehow, some way, there are points left on the field. You know, they have to get swept up and we give them another opportunity to see if they can correct that. Maybe they can.
2: I think so. I think you have a good chance for it.
1: Lucky Lefty Podcast, as always, we spend a different Go subscribe to Lucky Lefty Podcast on YouTube, but also now you can catch us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in the podcast form at CFB Nation in partnership with Irish Breakdown. Also, follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. In a few seconds left, we're going to talk about Marcus Freeman some losses within the program and how they're getting Lorenzo Styles back on track, which might give you a clue to whether or not they put the ball in the air a little bit more. But right now it's film time. Film time brought to you by Norah whiskey. We said that we were going to do some film work. And Mm -hmm. today is a 2024, a young man, That is absolutely electric. As I said before, he's only a junior. He still has his senior season to play. And he is the all-time leading rusher in the state of Missouri, bro. Let me say that again. He is the all-time leading rusher in the state of Missouri with a full season to go, bro. Well, full season? Full season ago, he is the all-time leading rusher in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. I present to you 2024, four-star, soon to be five-star, in my opinion, running back out of Hannibal, Missouri, Hannibal High School, Aeneas Williams. Mm -hmm. And, left. it's a pleasure to talk about this young man because, as I said before, what you're going to see I think he might be a better wide receiver than he is a running back. He is Mm -hmm. definitely the number one all-purpose running back in the country. Now watch this play. He just takes the ball from the defensive back. Bad throw.
2: Doesn't need him. He just comes (laughs) to take the ball. He just took the ball. We we should stop the tape right there. (laughs) He took it. We should stop the tape right
1: there. Deceptive speed. Just a sep- deceptive speed. Doesn't look like he's moving fast mm-hmm. somehow, some way.
2: This is like a, this is like a. Toby Gerhardt mm. mixed with a, like a Tim Tebow kind of instinct with a. He looks. He looks like the Terminator a little bit. He looks huge.
1: Yeah, he's a big kid.
2: And I mean, he's just like. Just give me the ball.
1: (laughs) He's 5'10". He's right around 200. Look at that. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you split him out, this kid is dangerous. I mean, he's just like.
2: And the speed is there. I don't understand how he's fast because he doesn't look like he's He's running running fast. Yes. But he looks like he's got a lot of form. Split
1: out up top.
2: Yeah, it's like he just. Watch his kids,
1: Lev. Over the top. Over the top, Lev. Of two defenders,
2: <laughs> and then he runs inside the tackles and just be gone. Yeah, yeah, he's like a. like he split a, out again. Left. Let's play ooh, big boy he ball. Got, he got routes. Ooh, he go up like a tight end. He go up like a Michael Mayer. Just, but he's five ten.
1: Five ten, right about one ninety five, two hundred. You'll add about 10 pounds.
2: Crazy, Woo! Goodness.
1: <laughs> this kid is offered from everybody. Michigan, Alabama,
2: yeah, Auburn, Florida. Man.
1: Everybody wants it. LSU. He now, just, during the summer, he was forecasted as a heavy lean to Missouri to stay home. He has recently been forecasted to go to Notre Dame by a couple of people. I think Tom Lloyd for 247 put in the crystal what ball. Who are we playing, man? He's coming Notre Dame. He is a really close friend. Great relationship with Cam Williams, who's already committed. Cutback ability, split him out, jet sweep. He's just a awesome
2: he, player. Does he play yeah. quarterback?
1: <laughs> you know how we call basketball players hoopers? Like, oh, yeah, he's a yeah, hooper. Yeah,
2: he's a hooper. Yeah, he a straight, just. He's just a baller. Yeah, it's just, he's just like a flat-out yeah, baller. yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just he do it all, just, and he look good doing it. You know, some guy can do it all, don't look good doing it. He Rounds, looks good doing it. Just saucy. I hope we get him. I mean, this kid is is legit. I, I like just how he plays. I mean, he's just doing anything he wants out there. Just really over hands, the shoulder of these Hands. Can run can a little. Block, can cut everything pullback receiver slot outside receiver
1: yeah man double
2: team catching it oh yeah he's
1: yeah. nice now this is a kicker as you saw in the intro to his video right there that was his mid-season highlight <laughs> package. the left left yeah, he had two all all-purpose yards at halfway through the season once again as a junior he is the all-time Leading rusher yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: in he's the state sweet. of Missouri.
2: He's sweet.
1: And he is winning he's class of 2024, and the reason we showed you the young man is simply because he could be the next commit of the 2024 class for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You have to love it. You have to love
2: it. Can't let him go to Georgia. Can't let him go to Bama.
1: No. No, we're gonna have to keep him in the Midwest. Let's keep Does that in the look Midwest. like
2: a Brock Bauer Jr. right there? Just a, a playmaker, yeah. Just yeah. throw it to me, I'll catch it, I'll do it all. Um, uh, whatever, that looks like Brock Bowers, like literally,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, Alan. I mean, Alex Roar, I agree with you. Thanks for tapping in today. Can someone say hi, is me? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, man, I agree. When you watch his tape, you're like, okay. Yeah, you know, he is very Christian McCaffrey.
2: I, I said Toby Gerhardt till I read Toby he was Gerhardt. 10. Yeah.
1: But I would say his skill set is more Christian McCaffrey than Gerhardt.
2: Like I wouldn't say McCaffrey. All. I wouldn't say Christian. He just he's stiff up top. Like Toby Gerhardt. I see from a style, from a running style. Yeah, yeah. He like Christian got, got the it. shoulders and get the but he's like stiff doing it. Like It's almost like if Peyton Hillis was like half feet for real.
1: Ooh, Peyton Hillis. You went back for that one. <laughs> Ooh, back to the halls, Peyton Hillis. <laughs> Peyton Hillis was a man. He was a baller nice. in the NFL when he went to the next level, too.
2: Just couldn't stay yeah. healthy.
1: He couldn't stay healthy.
2: I want so, to see what that 5'10 looks like around all the other guys, though.
1: That yeah, absolutely. So, Coach Ken... Talked about Notre Dame starting to hit their stride. We understand the disappointing losses early in the season. They sit at 6-3. and three. We both agree that with the pedigree and the winning streak and being one of the hottest teams in the nation, if they sweep November, which is our hashtag, hashtag sweep November, because if you sweep November, more than likely you're going to end up being a championship football team down the line, right? Most likely most likely that's that's when the big games come up sweet november and they get to nine and three on the season a nine and three notre dame team one of the hottest teams in america most more than likely will be a top 10 ranked team in the college football playoff rankings which means outside chance at an ny6 bowl outside chance they might keep Notre Dame out because of the lack of an affiliation to the conference and lock-ins with the NY6. Yeah. So they're going to need some help from teams in front of them losing. But also, let's go to where Notre Dame currently sits in bold projections. And I want to think hear what you think about these matchups. Notre Dame 6-3 and three, currently projected three outlets, I won't give you the outlets, but three outlets have bowl projections. Two of the outlets have the same game. Notre Dame versus Florida in the Gator Bowl on the 30th. Mm. And then the other projection is Notre Dame versus Kansas State in the Cheez-It Bowl mm. on the 29th.
2: That's cheesy. <laughs> Two games on do
1: I don't think Notre Dame will have a problem with either one of those teams, honestly. But I think Notre Dame is going to continue to win and probably be involved in a, a much bigger bowl than the Cheese it Bowl or the Gator Bowl. They go, they're not going to put Notre Dame in no cheese it I mean, they're at 20 in the rankings. This is based upon where they are now.
2: That 20 is a fabrication. You are still stuck on this they Notre know, Dame. It ain't in the top 10. What, you, know, you can even name... Man,
1: you are Stephen Strange right now, bro. You are you are trying to pull illusions out of your pocket. You are trying to pull the wool over the eyes of people, saying that Notre Dame deserves to be top ten right now. One hundred percent.
2: Come on, bro. Relax. Come on, man. Eleven through where we are. Eleven through where we are is not doing that to Clemson. Eleven, the people that are at eleven to where we are at twenty, are not doing that to Clemson. They not. They not. Because none of those eleven through uh, through well, nineteen, this or 20, is my pushback.
1: This is my pushback.
2: None of them have an offensive Syracuse, line that's better than us. And Syracuse defense that's better than
1: us. Syracuse could have done that, but their coaches played scared. They could have lined so, up and oh, run the ball. Oh, you talk about they scared. They, they, they were up double digits. Sean Tucker was averaging ten yards a carry, and he didn't touch the ball the rest of the game. That's coaching. All I'm saying is with better coaching, they might have taken an initial L at the crib against Syracuse but if if
2: if was a fifth, we all be drunk. I totally agree with that. But at the end of the day, we know that, that there's not a better O line or defense in eleven through nineteen right now mm. right now, right now, and we know that outside the top six, there's not a better old line of defense on the same team. There's not. Oregon got a better defense than us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oregon has a better quarterback. I said six and
1: out. <laughs>
2: right. They got a better old line and they Look, don't got a better defense.
1: So, Clemson's at 10. Ole Miss is at 11. UCLA is at 12. Utah is at 13. He's smacking
2: UCLA. They iffy.
1: Penn State is at 14. Okay, yeah, we know. I felt like Notre Dame should have been 15th or 16th because they beat North Carolina. North Carolina is two games better, but North Carolina got decimated by Notre Dame.
2: That's what I'm saying.
1: So now they're pretty much punishing Notre Dame for one of those sorry losses to Marshall and Stanford. That's what they're doing. Because if Notre Dame will say, let's say seven and two, Notre Dame will probably be hovering around thirteen or fourteen. But because they're two games behind North Carolina, with the only loss coming to Notre Dame for North Carolina, and Notre Dame is sitting at twenty, I understand what they're we doing. We just
2: won the ACC, so no ACC team should be in front of us at all. We just won the whole conference. We beat all the all your favorite teams in there. You know, Smack Char and did numbers, twenty-seven consecutive numbers. We not look. We got the ACC title already.
1: So basically, yeah. you're basically saying Notre Dame walked up on stage and basically it the ACC and said, for all those ACC teams that want to come under a real team, a real conference, we we might as well start our own Fighting Irish conference.
2: Yeah. You know, in Champions in League.
1: Come to death row, right?
2: Look, yeah, come to the yeah, come to the real ones. This is this is too come easy. Come
1: to the row. Look, that's your brotherhood and your emotions talking, bro. This true. Who that, I, look, I understand, I understand where you're at. I understand where you're at. That's your brotherhood. That's your emotions talking. You're sticking up for your boys. You know how good your boys really are, you know. They just happen to drop the ball, man.
2: I don't think anybody thinks that the teams that are 11 and out could beat us. I would agree with you. The, I would get 11
1: and out. No. I really don't see anybody. There's one team offensively that would challenge Notre Dame. Ole Miss. No. Heck no. I don't believe in Jackson Dart. Heck no. Then they're not, Then we, you know. No. No. Texas would be a problem. But John problem. Robinson is a problem, and Xavier Worthy is a problem.
2: We're locking that up. bro. They don't have Notre no Dame. offensive line.
1: They do start youngsters on the offensive line. What
2: do you mean? They don't have no offensive line. No, Notre a Dame better defense. No, so you They're ask better.
1: me. I'm telling you the skill position guys that would give Notre Dame a problem. I don't care how good Benjamin Morrison is. I don't care how good he is. I'm not I'm not putting him single high man to
2: man on Xavier Worthy all game. Why not? We did it against Ohio State. Come on, man. You need to stop. You we held stop. Ohio State to stop. 21 points. You need to stop. Okay, we gotta run through. You need to stop. You need to go watch more Texas football. 21. He would be
1: doing that young man a disservice lining him up all game, man to man.
2: Not all game. We'll no. do whatever we did versus Ohio State. All right. Okay. 21 go ahead 12 16 and what 14? That's what our defense is giving up. So we're not worried once again. I didn't say I did not say
1: see this is when people get their emotions. Did you hear me say Texas would beat Notre Dame? Did you hear me say that?
2: They wouldn't give us a problem. That's what I'm responding.
1: To. It was the offensive talent, just like the US. We're gonna bang USC, but USC's talent is going to be no big No, no you, I, agree with
2: that. Well, I agree with that. I agree so, with that. I
1: don't don't Utah. They got two first round talents offensively at wide receiver and running and back. Can't
2: block for nothing, but yet still, Bijan still puts up numbers. He's that's that type of dude. That's not us. All right, you saw what Bijan did against Alabama. Bijan had what it. twenty carries for he fifty talking. yards against Alabama. I guarantee
1: you this. Texas will put up more than 14 points. That ain't Clemson.
2: Yeah, okay, okay. That's fair.
1: fair. (laughs) That ain't Clemson. That's all I'm saying. That's not Clemson. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. They'll put up more than 14 for sure. You asked me to look at the list after 11 and see, yo, what could be ominous? The only thing that stood out to me was Texas, and then the only other thing I could say would be the physicality of the run game of UCLA and Zach Charbonnet. That's the the only other team in the trenches that could physically say, this is what we do
2: as well. We got more depth for UCLA, though. They don't got enough depth for us. We'll eat the run game up second half. Right. DTR is not bad, though. Yeah. I think he's pretty solid. I'm interested to see that USC-UCLA game, though. Yeah.
1: I'm with you, KL. This is a great point. Malik. Might have some nightmares over this. I'm, I'm, yeah, I want payback for that 2016 game, too. We did it to ourselves on that one. Yeah. And I see you, Matthew. Look, man, it's disrespectful to say B. John Robinson is, is who he is because he's running on, on Big 12 defenses.
2: Nobody said that. No, no, no. I said
1: somebody in the chat said that mm. B. John Robinson is a dude. Like, don't, don't just watch him play. I don't care what if you put him in the Big Ten, he would do the same thing to the sorry Big Ten team, the exact same thing.
2: Not if you play for Rutgers.
1: my God! <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to the extreme. You know, if you put him in the ACC, john Robinson would eat. He would. Eat. He would eat. You put him in a Pac-12, he would eat. You put him in the, in the SEC with a real SEC offensive line, he would oh, eat. What's
2: a real like Georgia?
1: Yeah. No, that's an over the top <laughs> SEC line, dude. Like Alabama has an average, decent SEC line this year. It's below that. it's below norm for Alabama, but like you said, it is your average offensive line in college football.
2: They don't run the ball though. Alabama. They don't.
1: But you've seen Jameer Gibbs still have good games
2: on limited carries. On limited carries,
1: that's all got, I'm saying.
2: They got Bryce Young, man. That's my yeah. like
1: guy. Yeah, for a kid like DeJuan Robinson, the he's not good because of the conference he's in. He's good because he's good.
2: He's just a good you
1: know name. <laughs> Oh man. Oh my. Bro, look, man. No, I'm not gonna say that. I'll take our guys. I'll take our guys.
2: Man, we can just have another one. Shoot. We may work.
1: <laughs> oh man. So that you're not intrigued by that uh Notre Dame, Florida Gator Bowl. That's that's not doing it for you,
2: not big <laughs> enough this year.
1: And Adrian, baby Martin,
2: baby are probably not gonna be there that long. And
1: uh, facing Kansas State in the uh Avery Johnson Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> aka the Cheez It Bowl. That would be it for you as well.
2: Mm-mm. I wouldn't even watch it for real. That's what we got to play. I mean, that would probably be Pine's best game of his career, you know, go ball out versus Kansas State. The fact that that quarterback
1: is Adrian Martinez, dude, I don't even I think I might watch that game on DVR <laughs> if they play Kansas State. Like, dude, we're facing Adrian Martinez. Come on, man.
2: He ain't Spencer Sanders.
1: No. Even though they did beat the brakes off Oklahoma State, though. He brought That's Oklahoma true. State to Manhattan and did some things to them. <laughs> they did some things to him, bro. <laughs>
2: it was bad, it definitely was bad.
1: <laughs> so, Lucky Lucky Podcast, as always, subscribe to Lucky Lucky Podcast on YouTube. You can now find us via CFB Nation in partnership with Iris Breakdown on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go hit us up, subscribe, hit that automatic download. Each and every time we drop that audio, you'll get it and be able to listen to the Lucky Lefty podcast wherever you go. And while you're doing that, you can go ahead and leave a comment, but hit those stars. Give us one of those top ratings. We would greatly appreciate it. CFB Nation, Lucky Lefty podcast. Make sure you follow us on Lucky Lefty pod on Twitter and Instagram
0: For the ones who get it done.
1: All right, Marcus Freeman. As we get ready to close, we've talked about, I Williams, we've talked about the Navy matchup, what needs to be done. We've heard from Coach Ken, head coach of the Navy Midshipmen, behind enemy lines. And before we get out of here, left so everyone can enjoy their Friday, we got to hear from the man in charge, Marcus Freeman, and the tidy up some things. Brandon Joseph will not be playing tomorrow. Messed up that ankle in the second half for the Clemson game. I think you saw it on that punt return. Uh, he came up limping, but he was still sideline talking trash well into the fourth quarter. So he won't be available tomorrow. On top of that, Joe Wilkins has decided to leave the program. Uh, he follows Jacob Lacey as a veteran player within the program that decided to leave during the season. Marcus Freeman, uh, I don't think he was – left you justice, you know, because sometimes people are upset about players leaving and then other times it's kind of like, uh, all right, I really don't – okay, he's gone. And Marcus Freeman, when he sat down with the media – had an opportunity to talk about everything that's going on. I'm trying to find a video, man. I want to make sure I get it and play it correctly you guys. But just talk about that left. Like, you went through that, making that decision to lead a program as a veteran and as a leader. Joe Wilkins was looked upon as being a leader of the wide receiver room and a leader on that team. So, and he was talked about in that way in spring and fall camp. What's that thought process that a young man goes through? Because no name's a tough place to leave for young men.
2: Well, I graduated, so shoot. <laughs> I felt like, you know, once I graduated, it was like, a, you know, do it all over process again. I got to look at it from a, a selfish decision at that point because I felt like I put everything I, I had. in um and, and at that point, and I had a chance to do it differently. So leaving not graduated, yeah. I can imagine uh, just a lot of emotions, man, because you really wanted to go for the, the connections. You're still worried if that's going to be in place now that you're leaving without the degree. Uh, you kind of feel like, you know, you know you're going to get a good chance outside of Notre Dame for a second chance, but then it's the devil you know is always better than the one you don't. So it's just a lot of worry that goes into it. Uh, but you do in the back of your mind still feel like, okay, I want to make this business decision to go to the best place I could just play right now. So that just is a variety of places. Some guys go really small schools. Some guys go to a, a somewhat of a, a similar school, but, you know, it becomes really an independent, you're on your own thing. So uh, it's a it's, uh, mentally taxing because, you know, you're not on the team schedule anymore. You're on your own schedule. So you got to deal with the real life stuff like subleasing your apartment and, you know, finding your travel and getting all your stuff for school and everything. So uh, it really is a fast paced process. If you know where you're going, if you don't, I mean, shoot, after this semester, you just go home. <laughs> so I mean, it's a lot that goes into it.
1: Marcus Freeman gave his thoughts on the departure of Joe Wilkins at his presser.
4: He continued to work hard and continue to find ways to improve. Um, At the end of the day, you know, it's the job of every coach on his coaching staff is to um, put the guys on the field that we feel give us the best opportunity to have success. You know, And, and Joe was playing probably not as much as he wanted. Um. And so we made the decision to make a change. And so um, that's really all I have to say about that situation. Um, but love Joe and love what he's done for this program and, and wish him all the best.
1: Joe really was playing well during the spring, and then he got injured. And the injury set back really set him back. And then once Deon Cozy came back from his injury and got back to 100%, he started getting the bulk of the plays that Joe Wilkins was getting. And then you understand, we all understand the level of the passing game and where it's at right now. The opportunities just weren't there in the passing game to really make an impact. You know, we saw him catch a touchdown the first game of the season against Florida State with Jack Cole. and then he gets injured last year. So injuries really are the story of Joe Wilkins' time here at Notre Dame. And like every other player that comes in, puts in the sweat, blood, tears, to be a part of the brotherhood, you know we wish him nothing but success in his next spot.
2: Absolutely, And it's just unfortunate, you know, when you're not healthy, it just is a a purgatory type of feeling when you're on a football team, especially the relationships between you and the coaches and your teammates, because yeah. you, your ass is in the training room most of the time and you're really not around as much. I remember getting hurt initially; they don't really, they don't even really call for you, <laughs> so. So when you pop back up and they're like, oh, I thought I thought you was dead a long time ago or left for transfer. And then you have another chance to reintroduce yourself to the team and you get hurt again. Yeah. It's like, man, so much happens when you're gone on a team from a chemistry perspective to depth chart to, to, to the plays and the offensive scheme. And you come back and you like, man, the only thing you're good for is blocking right now. We don't, you know, everything is just move fast around you guys are getting better the younger guys yeah. are getting better so you really get that like we talked about a long time ago there's that window that you have at notre dame uh, i think it's with regardless of the coach that if you miss that little window opportunity it's just sometimes you just get you know you got to move on and i think uh guys realize that a little sooner now having a transfer uh portal available but You know, it's no hard feelings and, you know, Marcus Freeman can't really speak too much on it because he's been hurt all the time. So it's like, you know, he, like he said, he wanted to put the best people on the field. Clearly that wasn't Joe uh, a a lot of the time, but when he did, he made some plays here and there, but you know, in this case, I think Joe can find a better spot and a place to get the ball more. I mean, that's what it's about in your fifth year, get some film, try to get to the league. So, uh, We already going through our struggles at receivers, so we're not going to help your situation uh, necessarily, especially depth chart. So it's probably better if you go to a team where they'll throw you the ball, at least uh, more than what we're doing over here.
1: He also talked about when he met with the media, the struggles of Lorenzo Styles Jr., how they're going back to the basics to get him out of this funk.
4: There's been no faith lost in Lorenzo. It's it's continuing to um, work on those things that help you execute at a higher level. Same higher level. Same thing we did with Aldrick in terms of you know finding different ways in practice to address some of the ball security issues. Same thing with Lorenzo and and all the whiteouts and um, the ability to continue to attack those different fundamentals. That it takes to uh, make sure you're you're executing, you're, you're catching the ball, or you're, you're having ball security, and all those different things. So, no faith has been lost in Lorenzo Styles. Um, he's a tremendously hard worker. We just have to kind of tweak that work and towards a, make sure we're really intentional on on catching the ball.
2: Yeah, I think Marcus Freeman knows. He's like, look, we got a lot of firepower. The trigger man just got to be a little bit uh, more accountable for this success and rhythm. Of that receiver room, yeah, you can make a couple throws here and there, but you know, some guys. I think Tyler really had a strong chemistry with the styles, and Mm -hmm. not that he's sulking over anything, but it if it doesn't hit right away, you just gonna it just doesn't. You just gotta work through those type of things, and I think with us not even having that much attention to throwing it to the receivers, and you getting a hit or miss chance here and there, and then you mess around and drop it. You know, it's just a funk that you're going to deal with until the style changes a little bit more pass-friendly. But also, the attitude's got to change. This ain't an offense where you're going to be Randy Moss or Chris Carter. You're going to have to be a little bit more of a supplemental player, a role player, and then when you get your chances, you just better make sure they count in those moments.
1: Once again, Lucky Lucky Podcast, the climb of 3,000 is real because of you guys. We're approaching 3,000 subscriptions on our YouTube page, and it's barely been over a year. We get up inspired to chat with you guys and talk Notre Dame football each and every day because of you guys. The chat is always great. The comments after the show are always fantastic, and it's because of you. Someone asked left, "Are we going to do a end of the year petty train for the petty train of the year?" Petty Train of
2: the Year Awards.
1: And yes, and we're going to leave that up to the fans. You all decide. Write in in the comments after the show. Text us. Post it on our Instagram and our Twitter. Who you think deserves to be the winner of the Petty Train of the Year Award. We'll get to that sometime in December. I can't wait to get to it left once again. 6-3 6-3 Notre Dame goes to m Bank Stadium to face off against 3-6 Navy. Noon kickoff. You expect them to be aggressive early. We both expect blowouts with opportunities to see young players, maybe another big play in special teams from Coach Brian Mason and his crew. But we definitely expect Notre Dame to turn the corner that they've been unable to turn and be able to handle success correctly and catch stride heading into that mega matchup at the end of the season against the USC Trojans with an opportunity to climb into the top 10 of the CFP rankings. It should be a really good matchup, but like you said, when we interlock arms with them at the end of the game, we want that scoreboard to have a really big gap in between the points on either side.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of respect towards the service. Uh, they help, you know, everything involved with that, especially, you know, Veterans Day and, and how we're honoring our veterans. But still college football. And <laughs> it's still Notre Dame. Absolutely. And we still we are. And we got to do what we got to
1: do. We will break the trend of playing down to mm-hmm. our competition this weekend in Baltimore. You already know what time it is, bro.
0: Petticoat. Petticoat. pet, 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 Petticoat. Petticoat Junction. It's time to get petty.
3: Oh, we did a good job executing.
0: Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I
3: just don't like you.
0: You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic, Petty Junction.
1: Petty, Coat, petty Junction. Petty Histories of the Day brought to you by Norwhiskey at Norwhiskey.com and premium American whiskey on Norwhiskey.com. Bro, I got all excited with college basketball starting. Came home after watching Black Panther last night at the movie theater. Sat down and said to myself, yo, I'm going to watch Notre Dame against Rafford. Look, man, college basketball has been underwhelming to this point. I've watched some really bad basketball. That's all I got. To say. I don't know what's early on, but if this yeah. is a sneak peek at what the rest of the season is going to be like in college basketball, I, I don't know, man. You don't know I, if you want it, Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'll give my Illinois Fighting Illini one more chance tonight. They play, and they're going to put three of their best players, Trent Frazier, uh, Demonte Williams, and also uh, King Alpha, Kofi Corborn in the, uh, I think, in the Hall of Fame there. At Notre at uh, not Notre Dame, but uh, Illinois. So it's going to be a great night. Well, if they come out and look lackluster again, I'm going to like, okay, man. There's one thing to look lackluster against good competition. They're not in Big Luster. Ten play
2: yet. They're not in Big Ten play yet. Give,
1: yeah. it, a
4: chance.
2: Give it a chance.
4: Yeah.
2: We lowering
1: my expectations is like you lowering your expectations for Notre Dame to be a top ten team right
2: now. Hold
1: on now, pretty much. Like, really, you I probably you. need to relax, and you need to relax as well. <laughs> so yeah, I'm putting all the college basketball on the petty train right now for the product on the floor. It's not good enough. <laughs> it's Just <laughs> not good enough, man. Entertain me, please. Entertain. Mm. Me, you have anybody to put on the petty train, bro?
2: Oh, that was good. I was going to comment on basketball because you know, even the NBA is just kind of like,
1: yeah, going NBA doesn't start until after like December, Christmas, yeah, Christmas. You get the big games on TV, then you get the push to the all star game right after the all star game, the trade deadline, and then it's the final push to the playoffs. So, yeah, NBA is definitely a womp womp. You know, yeah. pretty much the first 2025.
2: 20, <laughs> even though November, October, the greatest sports month, because they all the sports is on, you know.
1: That's facts. That's facts. I've even found myself, you know, searching for because last night I definitely was not going to watch. Look, NFL, you gotta do something with your Thursday night package, bro. Yeah. These games are horrible. That game last night was actually, was absolutely atrocious,
2: man. Another win for Tom Radio.
1: Oh, dude. He's going to to win that division with with his team being below five hundred.
2: Watch. Just a down year. Just a down year in that division. Because remember, that division used to be three teams were 11-win teams, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Yeah. They used to be 11-win teams, three 11-win teams for some years when they had Drew, you know. Have you ever seen a division – I wonder if
1: there's ever been a division where all four teams draft a quarterback in the same draft
2: that'd be Cause, cool because tom might be done yeah he just he just lost so, a bunch of he just lost a bunch of money on FTX
1: that's right so you're right Man, he's losing on the field off the
2: field oh, in
1: the the field, field awesome
2: girl yeah Man.
1: He- yeah he's probably feeling some type of way
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But literally, the Bucks, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers.
2: Well, don't the give up on James. Jameis hurt. James is hurt. So
1: you would bypass C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young if you were the Saints?
2: Where do you think they're going to be? Top five? Dude, the Saints are like what? Three and five right now? That's not bad. It's too early. Okay. Well, who are they going to beat, though? The division,
1: <laughs> the entire division is terrible, bro. Dude, the entire the division is sub five hundred. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, New Orleans is three and six, bro. Three and six. Carolina's three and seven. Atlanta's four and six. That that entire division could literally draft a quarterback in the first round. <laughs> Everybody in the division. I don't think that's ever been done before, ever. Probably won't happen this year. But, man, that just goes to show you how important the quarterback position is. I got Michael Johnson said he could see C.J. in Carolina. Yeah. The defense is pretty good. I mean, they they have some things to work with. They kept D.J. Moore. You know, they didn't trade him. So he would have a wide receiver coming in with him. You know, I would want to go to Atlanta if I'm a quarterback. I just would. Absolutely. Send me to the ATL.
2: Send me to Atlanta. Send me to Atlanta, shawty. If I'm Bryce, don't be sending a Will Levis there. That's no. No, that's not a fit. That's not a fit. fit. See,
1: that's what you have to understand. Shout out. I'm glad you said that. Shout out to Mark Cuban and the owners of the Hawks at the time. Because when they both recognized You know what, Luca in Atlanta, Mm. Trey Young in Dallas, Mm. Mm. let's go ahead and swap this out. And Trey in Atlanta, Luca in Dallas. Makes sense. Makes sense for everyone. Makes sense for everyone. So, yeah, shout out to them figuring it out. Maybe not because, of course, Luca probably would be viewed as the better player. But just what the Atlanta franchise needed at that time, Trey was the perfect perfect star, perfect star in the face of that franchise. So we're just waiting to see who's going to be the face of the franchise for Notre Dame moving forward. Yeah. Which I'm excited. Will it be CJ Carr? Will it be someone like Brendan Armstrong who transfers in? Yeah. will it be someone like keaton Slovis who might be leaving pittsburgh once again jumping in the transfer portal who will be the face of the franchise when notre dame wins that national championship lucky lefty podcast
2: we do it the best baby
1: i have to get my my uh, tv host
2: that's right, right there. so Need hey well the,
1: the culture friday Everybody have a fantastic weekend. As always, CFB Nation in partnership with Irish Breakdown. Go hit us up right now. Subscribe. Get all of our podcasts, special content, especially the recruiting stuff that's going to be coming up with Signing Day approaching December 21st. You don't want to miss this guy's analysis on the 23 commits and the 24 recruits. He spends it different. No one has that eagle eye like left for talent. So go right now. CFB Nation, subscribe, Lucky Lefty Podcast, for all of our great shows. All right? Have a great Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Immediately after the game, we'll be right here talking about another Notre Dame victory. You can believe that. Blow out. Blow out. The atmosphere. Blow out. So enjoy your brunch breakfast whatever you're going to be partaking of when you're watching this notre dame win can't wait left i can't wait i can't wait I-, I wish they could play right now in my backyard man i really wish yeah. they-
2: <laughs> it's gonna be one to remember i tell you that
1: <laughs> absolutely man have a great friday go ahead and give all those comments and great stars apple podcast and spotify cfb nation but left i'm sean davis at sd2 mics brought to you by Nora whiskey have a great friday most of all make sure that you spin it different different lucky lefty podcast